Welcome to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast. Today we have our guest, Superintendent Dr. Tim Scott from Dalton Public Schools in Dalton, Georgia. Dalton is often referred to as the carpet-making capital of the world, an incredible community, and multiple high school with state soccer championships to boot. Dr. Scott has a lot to share about his teachers, leadership team, and the nature of being a true community-centered leader. He knows his students and families very well, and they have innovative programs to support the incredible Dalton community. Welcome, everyone, to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast. I'm David Linovers, Vice President of Plexus. And today we have Dr. Tim Scott, the Superintendent of Dalton Public Schools in Georgia, the great state of Georgia, up in the northwest corner, correct? Yes, sir, David. How you not, doing? Good, good. You're not too far from Chattanooga, right? We are not. Maybe 25 minutes. So you have some good country music up there, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> a couple, and we're only a couple hours from Nashville. That's true. It, it's interesting. As I, I remember, I mentioned to you earlier, I had a, another podcast with a superintendent from that area, too. And he was talking about the weather. And sometimes it can snow up on the mountain when they have to go like even in sports events they're like well we can't get over the mountain there's too much snow today and have you guys run into that this year not this year at all uh the last couple of years been kind of light on the snow but that is a it is very possible and it's tough to get over the mountain when it snows you you don't think about snow when you think about georgia most of us don't (laughs) also i mean you kind of think of atlanta um and i know you were um, you worked in a school district that bordered right in the suburb of Atlanta for a while, correct? Uh, yes, I did. I was uh, I was actually in Cobb County and Douglas County, which are both probably considered metro area uh, school districts. And that and that area continues to boom, doesn't it? Just it, it does. And did your school district there? I know. I, I just really interested to hear some of that. Did your school district? In those areas, did they grow as you were there too? Did you have any of those challenges of growth and figuring that yeah. out? Cobb Cob is, you know, continuing to grow. It's a very large school district. And then yeah. Douglas County, while I was there, we did add uh, a high school mm-hmm. during my time there, you know, and, and it it's growing. Of course, I was there when we had a big snow. We kind of got shut down and <laughs> ended up spending the night with some students because we couldn't get everybody home. I was a high school principal at the time. and Gotcha. Uh, so... Uh, and families that parents that actually got called in downtown that were working that couldn't get home and they picked their kids up. Well, we've got their kids. And so we just had to kind of hang on to people until everybody could get to us. So those kind of things happen sometimes. You know, that is one of the themes that has come up time and time again that we talk about in our other podcast superintendents is, is just how much care there is for the community and how schools are a place where people go for shelter, for help. And in times where things happen, you know, whether it's weather or public events or celebrations, schools are such a center of all that. And to be able to have the cool kids be there and the teachers support them and the rest of your team. I mean, it really is an honor to be able to take care of these kids, but you really realize how much dedication there is of your teachers and staff. I listen, I mean, I think a school is, is a very big part of the community and, uh, we want to have our parents in. We want to have our, our young people at our school and it, it be considered a safe place and a, a place where learning takes place and that we can, you know, do everything we can to grow the best citizens that we can provide. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I agree. So when you mentioned that snow thing, I'm like, okay, you know, yeah. important, <laughs> important place. I mean, out here in California, the school district where my kids were down in Carmel was the middle school was an evacuation place for the fires off like all the time, floods and fires, right? Cause it's very mountainous down there. Right. Um, Big Sur coast. If you know, San Francisco, you know, that area down there and you've probably driven through it and it's remote and very, very mountainous. And, you know, do you, in your, in your city, in your schools, so you guys are in the city of Dalton, correct? Yes, sir. We are. We're, we're a small city. And, um, and you have around 7,500 students. I know you were mentioning. Yeah. A little right at 7,700. So it's relatively small. And so you've been there, as you said, starting your sixth year. Um, And have you, I know some of the other things we've talked about in the podcast is, you know, population changes, challenges with teacher recruitment and trying to engage and make sure you have that pipeline. What kinds of things are you seeing around enrollment totals and teacher retention, those kinds of things? How's that going? Well, enrollment's been pretty steady for us. We're down uh, since COVID. We're probably down 100 students than what we had. Uh, Okay. We we have seventy one percent Hispanic, and so we we have a lot of students that kind of come and go. We're seventy one percent Hispanic, eighteen almost nineteen percent uh, white, two and a half percent black, two and a half percent Asian. Okay, so that's that's roughly our school population. So, but we do have a lot of families that come and go, uh, especially that go back if they are from Mexico or. Um, you know, Guatemala, those kind of places that they will come and they will go back home. They may be home for six months in their home country and then come back again. So we, yeah. we do, we do deal with that. And since COVID though, uh, we just somehow children, we lost some children in the whole state of Georgia did. Uh, mm. All our districts are down. Yeah. Um, not really sure where some of the students went to work, uh, had to, um, of course, you know, Dalton is the carpet capital of the world and flooring. <laughs> I did capital. not know that. Yeah. And so uh, huh. Shaw Industries, Mohawk, Engineer Floors. And so oh. they're, they're running, uh, you know, full time and they need people. And, and sometimes, especially with some of what we call our newcomer families or new to country families, mm-hmm. the children get here and, and sometimes they go to work. Uh, right. You can't keep them in school, especially if they're 17, 18 years old and, family you know needs their support they go to work that's right so we have had those issues and of course we're having issues recruiting teachers too um not everybody wanted to come back after covid and wanted to you know work in a in the classroom setting so we have we're trying to think of some creative ways and we're actually teaming now with dalton state uh dalton public schools dalton state college and whitfield county and we have put a program together for uh Parapros, those are staff that helps in a classroom that's not a certified teacher. Yeah. So, and ask the Georgia professional standards to review a program. Oh. There are there are accreditation. They tell our teachers, hey, you're certified or you're not. And putting a program together. So if you get a degree, you won't have to quit your job. You can keep working while you get fully certified. Gotcha. Sometimes if you, you have to quit and go student teach or, you know, work and do some of that on-the-job training. And so we're trying to work so a parapro could actually do that in the school they're working at, get credit for it, and then we could hire them. So we're looking at some different ways to do that. 
That's smart. That's smart. You're right. Cause you have the, the parents and the students and then the teachers you're trying to keep and attract. And um, I know that uh, Mike Roberts, who's from Georgia, he had mentioned. So a few things about retaining teachers zero to 10 years. And it's a big deal, you know, cause you want them to stay right. And you want them to be invested in the passion and the paycheck. They have to go hand in hand sometimes, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're fortunate. We, uh, you know, our pay here is, own spot with everybody else and we're mm-hmm. you know pretty good there uh but it's providing other things it's not just the pay it's being able to pr- make sure that we provide professional learning that they need and yes uh we also in our district we uh partner with the hospital and we offer what we call um uh student assistant or employee assistance program so mm. if a student you know k-12 or an employee of any kind feels like they need some counseling or they want to talk to somebody, we offer that and it doesn't cost our employees anything. So uh, we kind of had felt like we needed to do that because during COVID things got kind of tough for some people and it was difficult. And so we've tried to make sure we provide not only the paycheck, but a lot of other things, uh, mentoring support that, that we can to try to help our employees be successful. I think that's an excellent point um, that environment, teaching environment, district environment, the support, um, you know, so many of us, and even the data shows that so many of us want to be affirmed in our job and be supported versus just have the paycheck because it's, it's not enough. Right. And teachers passion to, you know, I like to say, love the kids and teach them. Like you do have to have a love for the children to teach them, right? In a certain way. Otherwise, you will never build a relationship or connection with them and that trust. Absolutely. Um, and we do, a, we try to do a lot of things to listen. I have a monthly superintendent's breakfast mm. where we bring teachers in from different schools and they just come in and we have charts and they put concerns, questions, or praises up on the chart. Right. And uh, uh, my uh, chief of communications helps us go through those and we just have conversation. It takes about two hours. We do that once a month with different teachers. And of course, we do surveys and uh, we've done in the past, we've Zoomed sometimes with a faculty and, you know, have them have give them opportunity to voice their concerns. And our board is really great. Our board every year does mm. listening sessions without the superintendent in every school to kind of hear, hey, what's going on? So I think what you're saying that not just the paycheck, but the support and them having a voice. I think that's very important trying to have a successful organization. Absolutely. And there's, I don't see any other way you can do it as a superintendent except talk to people, right? I know it sounds silly, but you have to talk to people. Yeah, we may not always agree, but we can sit down, look each other in the eye and discuss it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, you know, I think that's an important thing that we try to teach our, our, our students all the time is you don't have to agree, but you have to try to understand. And I think seeking that understanding is truly what's important. And then, you know, I mean, I know I had this little note when I worked for the state for 15 years, you know, people would say, well, we blame the budget. And I was like, it's not about budget. It's about priorities. So it's what priorities are in place that we can do. And can we put this on a priority list for something else to change? I mean, to change the dialogue about it, because you can't blame the budget. It's not, you know what I mean by that? It's, It's about what priorities are feasible 
in the plan that we're trying to carry out. And people tend to forget about that. Oh, absolutely. When we're, when we're talking budget, of course, we started in January. If a principal <laughs> says, hey, I really need this to you know, help make my school improvement plan, I said, well, if that's your priority, what are you going to give up that you don't feel is a priority anymore? So where, what, what can we look at? You know, and we have those discussions and, yeah. and so it's all, it all is all about the direction you're going. And sometimes that changes based on your data. Right. And you've been a principal. So you, you've had those discussions I, with superintendents, haven't you? <laughs> oh yeah. 14. I was a assistant principal. Well, of course I taught for uh, over a decade and then yeah. assistant assistant principal for six years, a high school principal for 14 years, and then uh, assistant superintendent of district operations, and then a superintendent. 14 years as a high school principal. I mean, that is, that's a wild ride. <laughs> oh, best, best, one of the best jobs I ever had, man. High school principal is a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome. There is so much going on in high school. That's true. That's very true. See, you know, I had a, a superintendent comment once, and maybe you don't fall into this, but they were like, you know, I've been a high school principal in middle school, but I have to actively, in his mind, he was just sharing what he had said to to make sure I go to the elementary and listen a little differently because I don't know elementary off the cuff. It doesn't mean they don't care. Do you find yourself engaging the, in the elementary a little more because you just don't, you haven't worked in it as much? Just a question yeah. just curious i have to ask a lot of questions about elementary mm -hmm. uh and why do we do it a certain way and how does yeah. this work and of course you you walk classrooms and you walk buildings and you observe teachers because it is different than a high school or a middle school yes uh and and being in a, a district with just 10 schools it makes it easy to get in and out of all of them uh but that's true trying to listen and trying to understand i think i'm constantly trying to do that to make yeah. sure uh but man the work that those teachers do there they they are with those kids all the time and do such amazing work i i admire elementary teachers uh, uh well all our teachers across the district but yeah. the elementary that's that is a tough job sometimes and i certainly appreciate all that they do i mean i know that when you go, the kids that come in with kindergarten, that they're in such a different place than any other age group, right? They're just brand new, fresh. What is this? Like, yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, and and in our situation, we get quite a few new to country. So we may get oh, a, yeah. a second true. or third grader that's never been part of any kind of schooling. So you're and teaching so them from the start. Oh, Yeah. This this is a pencil. This is how you hold a pencil. This is, you know, the whole the whole thing. And then they don't speak the language probably on top of that. Uh, so but they catch on quick. And I'm going to yeah. tell you, amazing students. They want to learn. They um, So it's it's uh, we enjoy our diversity. I think that's a very uh, strong point. It's a strength of our district. And uh, we rely on it a lot. You know, I think it's definitely a. You know, when you generalize about Georgia, you don't think about a, a community having such a large Spanish speaking Hispanic population. Um, California, we live here, you know, it's every day um, with the schools and the, the colleges. And, you know, we do a lot in Spanish to connect with the communities because we know we we have to speak the language that people speak, not because they're not intelligent. You just don't understand. I mean, right. if I moved to Guatemala. I'd have to have some stuff in English or I'd be completely lost. You know, there's, oh, yeah. it's really understanding that. It, it sounds like your district has amazing support programs all around for that. 
Uh, the district's done very well. And I'll tell you, we do have a lot of out of country. And the New York Times was here maybe two years ago. Oh. And they, they named us Soccer Town USA. <laughs> and, and the reason they did between Dalton Public Schools and Whitfield okay. County Schools, okay, there there were we have different classifications in the Georgia High School Athletic Association. So yeah. you have there's a single A, a double A, a triple A, four A, five A, six A, and seven A. Okay. And uh Dalton High School won the state championship for our district for I think six A. <laughs> well, Southeast, I think which is a Whitfield County school wanted in four a Northwest wanted in three uh, a <laughs> and Kahala Creek wanted in two a. So we had four <laughs> local teams win state championships in soccer that year. You locked uh, it down. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, and last year we opened up last year was the first year we opened up a magnet school. It's called adult Academy. Uh-huh. And they, they won the single a state championship last year and Dalton High School again played for the state championship and they were they got beat, but they were second place in the state. And uh, I think Southeast again won a state championship. So uh there's a lot of tradition with the soccer program here and, and after the after those state championships we kind they came out with an article in the New York Times about Soccer Town USA. Uh, that's fantastic. Now were are you were you a soccer player yourself? I was not a soccer player uh, <laughs> in high school. I did football, wrestling, and uh, that that kind of stuff. But uh, we, of course, we do everything here. But soccer is a is a really big deal, and and that's yeah. really because of our uh, population of our community. I mean, that's awesome because I mean, I played soccer for years, did stuff too, and you know, you grew up in certain parts of the country where you're like, eh, soccer's like, eh, whatever. But it's you know it. it it's teamwork. It's endurance. I mean, it's a brutal sport unto itself. Absolutely yeah. challenging. And to see those teams do so well and the community come around it has got to be fun for you as a superintendent to celebrate and just be a part of that. Oh, it is big time. And um, we have a little park downtown called Burr Park, and they had a big uh, festival after those state championships and introduced every team in the county and the city at the, the at the Burr Park uh, celebration. And so uh, the community really gets behind us and we have a ton of support from our community. Oh, that's just fantastic. I mean, you, you talk about it and you know it cause you've been there, but representing the community for what it is versus what you're trying to force it to be is truly kind of an art form as a superintendent, isn't it? Yeah. But like I say, we accept our community as a diverse community, and it's a strength of ours. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're we're just we're very proud of where we're where we're at and where we're from. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Is you know, you, you like you said, you represent everyone, and there's the state standards, and there's all those things. You know, that puzzle you try to put together so that you have who you are truly represented to everybody, and that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Do they know I have, um, and so I, obviously you said you have other sports and things going on too. What kind of, now you mentioned earlier before the podcast started, some of the business partnerships you have and some of the things you have going on with the other opportunities for kids share a little bit more about that again. I'd love to hear. So, that. so I, I will, we, uh, 
course, again, we're very involved with our community. We have an organization called Believe Greater Dalton, and they have a five-year strategic plan for our community. And one of the pillars in their plan, of course, is education, and they partner with us. And so we're doing what we call red carpet tours. We're bringing community members in, business partners in within our uh, community that want to see our schools, and we're showing off our schools and showing the things that we do. Oh, that's uh, awesome. When we built a few years back in 2021, well, actually, I think in 2017, we voted and had a bond referendum to build a new school. Uh, our schools had gotten really large, and we wanted to reduce the number of students in each building. Okay. So our board is a school of choice type board. They don't zone. Uh, we have we mm. have zones. Okay. And you can catch a bus that takes you to a certain school, but if you want to attend a different school, you can apply as long as you provide your own transportation, you can go to that school. And so our board decided to build a six, seven school. So we have our typical elementary school, which is uh, kindergarten through fifth grade. Okay. Then we have a six, seven, we call it a middle school. It's sixth and seventh graders. Then we have a junior high, which is eight and nine. And okay. then we have two high schools that are both <laughs> 10, 10, 12. And then one of them is the Dalton Academy, and one of them is Dalton High School. Okay. Well, when we were building Hammond Creek, we had a partnership with Junior Achievement. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Junior Achievement or not. Okay. A little uh, bit. It's an organization that helps uh, educate uh, our middle schoolers on financial literacy and working with business. Gotcha. And so we built a JA center out on the site and we partnered with engineered floors and the JA organization to build that center in our school district. And so oh. it's, it's a very nice facility. And with that, the June, the junior achievement has a part called 3DE, which is a business type or project based model. And okay. So we, we started that when we opened up the Dalton Academy. Uh, we opened up last year and then 3DE started this year. And so it is project based. We work with organizations like Home Depot, Arby's, Delta Airlines, uh, Shaw Industries, Mohawk Industries, Engineered Floors, uh, AT&T. Those are different organizations that come in and work and they give a project. And I'll give you an example. Oh, that's first, nice. I like that. The first project our ninth graders did this year had to do, there's a, a key characteristic in every project. And their first one was collaboration. Okay. So you're taking a bunch of ninth graders and you're dividing them up in groups of six or seven. And our first class of the 3DE, there's 160 students in this class. So you divide them up into small groups of, you know, five, six, seven children. And they're given a project. And again, the key characteristics, collaboration. So did they have to work with their teachers and collaborate and then actually provide a presentation to, in this case, it, it would be engineered floors or Shaw, whichever. can't remember which one was the first group we worked with. Sure, they, sure. It, that takes about six weeks to do that. So they're given a problem. They work on it. They work and they use their key characteristic collaboration, which is uh, emphasized in their English, math, science and social studies class. And so it just kind of helps our young people work together and do some, do some things that they might not get a chance to. It's just not sitting in class and listening to a teacher or, or doing a, a small project. 
I mean, that's such a good point in the midst of the collaboration and them getting hands-on experience and working with others. I mean, that's so important that the kids have that going out because I'm sure you get that question, like, what are we doing for our kids to prepare them for the real yeah. world, right? Besides sitting in a classroom. I mean, it's not that simple. We know there's much more going on than just that kind of analysis, but oftentimes that's what's promoted, right? Versus what you're talking about. Uh, absolutely. And, and our Dalton Academy is the leadership academy anyway. So mm. they're, they're working on making, helping young people have skills that will help them be leaders in whatever they choose to do in the future. See, that's just fantastic. So much good stuff. This is the kind of stuff I love to hear about yeah. when we have these podcasts, everything you have going on. And I know you, you probably just scratched the surface as far as what's going on with those kinds of things as well. Yes, we, we do have, you know, at Dalton High School, we have the International Baccalaureate Program, which is an amazing program. Again, yes. at the Dalton Academy, they have the AP Capstone Program. And those are two very high academic programs. But then we also have our career classes, such as engineering, you know, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of hands-on stuff there. Teaching as a profession, early childhood, a culinary arts program. where And, and in our city is really good. Uh, that, that some of the restaurants have hired and taken on some of those students to do internships and work, you know, in the field of culinary arts. Uh, you know, of course we have a theater program and a fine arts, uh, pathway at the Dalton high school that we have. Uh, and, and, and that's a really big deal. And for us, that's a big deal. Kindergarten through 12th grade that we make sure our, our young people have music and art throughout high, throughout elementary, all the way through high school those that want to participate in it. Then, of course, we all of our elementary schools have dual language. So we have gotcha. Brookwood, Brookwood Elementary School. You can learn German and English. Or, well, you know, most of them are English speaking anyway. Or yeah. Spanish speaking, but they can learn German. And you take German in your subjects. So you're being taught math. I can take you to a third grade class where you won't hear nothing but German spoken in that classroom. <laughs> Uh, or we have another school that has it's, it's Spanish and there's a Spanish and English. So they have Spanish within their classroom. So we, we have that, uh, going on. So there's a lot that we offer our young people and try to offer our young people to make sure that they are exposed to as much as they can be exposed to. You know, that really, it, it's awesome that you have that because if you have the back and forth that it, it helps them you know, write and read and develop those skills in that language versus just the speaking. Because I know that's oftentimes the toughest for kids as they go through languages. Well, how do I develop my grammar and my vocabulary and the, and the professional skills associated with the language that they may want to do business in later? Absolutely. And, and the, the world is getting smaller, yes. you know, so knowing, you know, more than one language is very important. And, uh, and I'd never seen a German immersion program till I came here. You know, I'd, <laughs> yeah, I'd seen Spanish, you know, because that's a language that's used quite a bit, especially in Georgia. Yeah. But uh, when we got here, they had the Brookwood Elementary Schools, a German immersion school. And those students, kindergarten through fifth grade, uh, that choose to be a part of that program, they, they get exposed to that. So, so with the Dalton Academy, I was just curious, is there... Is there a specific way to get in? Like, is that, is there, when we, when they finish, so because of our configuration, okay, our 
we go six, seven, eight, nine. At the end of the eighth grade year, our students have to fill out a form that says, I want to go to Dalton Academy or I want to go to Dalton High School. Okay. Which are gotcha. the two 10, 12 schools. Gotcha. And so they fill that out. They still spend their ninth grade year at the junior high because they're still part of that. But athletically, they have to make a choice because if they do ninth grade, ninth grade is part of uh, the high school athletics program. Right. And so they have to go ahead and make a choice at the end of the eighth grade. And so that's how they choose. And then they go, you know, to whichever site in the 10 through 12 that they've chosen. Gotcha. uh, Okay. And, and of course, it's a little competitive because both Dalton High and Dalton Academy are sharing the, all the career opportunities, the dual enrollment opportunities, whether it be at Dalton State or Northwest Georgia Technical College and, you know, the AP Capstone versus the IB. And, you know, you know, we've got engineering over here. We've got uh, healthcare science with an emphasis on athletic training at this school. Which pathway would you like to take? So there are some choices to make too. It is interesting that you help them through that choice and trying to figure it out because that is kind of key. You know, do you find that with the 10 through 12, that it's more of a common age together? Like people are at a different stage in their development, or is it just the way you guys are set up? I'm just curious for the social emotional part, right? Of of ninth grade, because you're still pretty young in ninth grade, right? You're still, I mean, you yeah. see the ninth graders in high school, you're like, what are these middle school? I mean, they're such a middle schoolers until the end of their freshman year. Yeah, and that, that that's something that we're trying to look at. We, we do feel, and we're looking at some of our data. We're just in the second year of this configuration. Oh, okay, so we, okay. Last year was our first year. This is the second year. Uh, we actually found another district in Georgia. It's called Dawson County. that has uh-huh. the same school configuration that we have. Okay. They have elementary. They have a six, seven. They have an eight, nine, but they only have one 10, 12. So they're not going to two separate ones. Gotcha. And we're actually going, I'm sending a whole team over to meet with their, their team, uh, I think April 11th or 12th and to just kind of talk about things because this is an unusual configuration. Yeah. But what what we're seeing with our eight, nine now is that ninth graders are have been more successful this year than they were last year. And we feel like it's because the eighth graders had a year of the same kind of schedule. In Georgia, middle schools are kind of held in pods and and there's not a lot of independent changing classes or going here and having to time management kind of things and and so th- this way, you're having to do that a year earlier. And what we have seen in our data is that our ninth graders this year have better GPAs and are doing better than what the previous years done has done. Now, again, it's just the first year. Uh, we'll have to keep track some data for a while to see if that works. But uh, our school staff there feels like that having the eighth graders on the same schedule has kind of helped them get used to it before they started ninth grade. And of course, you know, nine through 12 are all your transcripts that go to college. That's right. That's right. If you don't, if you don't do well in the ninth grade, sometimes it's hard to recover. <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. I mean, you're right. The anecdotal and the, you know, that what you pick mm-hmm. up to bear out over time. I mean, definitely hope it stays strong because I, I kind of like it, you know, as I think about it, it's like, you know, I could see the benefits for the kids and the academic success and that transition. My, my wife grew up in Canada and she was, her high school was 10, 12, you know, 
Right. I think seventh or ninth was middle school or eight, nine. It's kind of similar. So it's definitely, she would, she'd be like, oh, that's just like me. <laughs> that's yeah. Like she grew up with a little different. I mean, it's kind of exciting to, to be able to do that and to show the community. I'm sure it's something you talk about with the board, right? That kind of success and how you're going to measure it. Yeah, we're, we're constantly looking right now since we're in our second year, what can we do to improve? What obstacles do we have to kind of overcome or how can we make things better? And then share with our community what's good about it. Right. Uh, because, because this is unusual here. Uh, most middle schools are six, seven, and eight, and most high schools in Georgia are nine through 12. Right. And, right. and so we have changed that. And of course, that hurt some feelings when we started because some parents like, Hey, my kid's supposed to be in high school, <laughs> yeah, but they're having to stay back in a junior high. And, and so that's, that's been difficult. Mm, uh, oh, I think interesting. Over time, that will change, I think. Uh, but the whole idea is academic success and preparing our young people for the future and having a configuration that works and meets that goal. And, you know, like I say, we're just in our second year. So I think it's really too early to say definitely it is or is not. But those are some of the trends that we're seeing as we move in there. I see that sun's wearing. I know. Out, it? It's literally like right here. <laughs> like it's moving. Yeah. On me. <laughs> I might just shift a little bit like this. So I can... <laughs> kind of making me laugh. I started to yeah. see it go across. You know, I'm really excited about what you're doing there. I mean, it's it's unique in the sense of the way you're trying to care for the kids and the families. And like you said, even that adjustment of, Oh wait, now my kid's still in junior high when no, they're taking high school level courses. They They can even do, you know, the AP and all the other stuff you have lined up. IB. Yes, sir. You know, I, and of course IB is a junior and senior uh, year. That's right. uh, So, but they do can take advanced classes you know, in the ninth and 10th grade. And especially even in the junior high, they have the advanced classes and our principals collaborate very closely together and try to work on things and schedule at the same time. And, and that kind of thing. Because sometimes we'll have a kid that starts in one pathway or school, and they may decide, Hey, I I really don't like this. I want to go back over to this other school. And so they, they can do that. And then our board of education supports that and, and tries to make sure we provide an opportunity that doesn't just zone a kid to one school that gives parents choices as well. You know, I love, I love hearing about what you have going on there. I learned so much about, you know, Dalton public schools and what you get in the city and, you know, your collaborations and there's so much more. I think I I do say this every time. I know we just scratched the surface about all the things we could talk about. And it'd be interesting Mm -hmm. to see, you know, what happens with your model over time? Because, you know, in education, like myself, I've been forever. I'm always interested to see, oh, what's working and what are people yeah. doing that's different? And and it sounds like you're putting the resources where they need to be as well. Well, let me throw one at you. You probably hadn't heard of. We have a trans, <laughs> we have a translation academy. Oh. And our, because we have so many students that yes. speak Spanish, yes. that's their, that's their native language. And now they know, know English. We have started a Translation Academy, and we have students, and this is at the Dalton Academy, and those students actually help translate throughout the community, and they do things in the community with translation. Uh, they may go to pre-K registration when uh, parents are coming in, and they can help translate if needed, or uh, at if 
in any business situation. And so they go out into the community and they work. Uh, they do, uh, you know, the clothes, you know, clothes drives, food drives, and they're just out in the community and they provide a service that sometimes we need. And, uh, but that I, we had, I'd never seen anything like that till I came to Dalton. I mean, first of all, it's fantastic because it, it allows the kids to feel supported in the midst of, of doing that translation work. Um, I was on the phone with a, a mom and daughter just the other day. I think it was two days ago. And the daughter was translating from the Spanish. And, you know, and one of the things I've always tried to do in that situation, because, you know, California, it's very common, right? In many languages, mm-hmm. is not have the kid, not have the student or child be the key decision maker and not having the language skills myself makes it difficult to take them out of the deci- the parental decision-making process. Right. Which right. is very different than someone translating. Yes. And so uh, with that English language learners, we yeah. have 41% of our student body is either currently an English language learner and in that program or has been in the program and now exited the program because they have English skills enough to be successful in class. Oh, that's and then huge, we, huge yeah, population. I mean, huge population. And then, of course, we have a newcomers academy that we have for our sixth graders and up. And uh, and currently we have, I think, 15 eighth graders that are new to country, 24 ninth graders, 29 10th graders, and 18 juniors that are new to country that are in that program that have just been here either just probably within the last six or eight months. I mean, you have 11th graders that are just trying to figure out the language for the first time and go to school. Absolutely. But I can tell you success stories. That's Uh, awesome. We we've had, we've had uh, newcomers that got here. I mean, a little bit earlier, maybe eighth, eighth grade, ninth grade that ended up being valedictorian at the high school. Oh, wow. I like that. So, so, I mean, they, they, the kids work hard. You know, it, it truly is tremendous what they do and the hunger that you see in the kids and just the resiliency. It's, it's tremendous to see that. And I think that's something, it sounds like you celebrate yourself, your district celebrates the families, the community. And I love it. I love to hear that. Yeah. We're, we're very fortunate where we live. And, and like I say, the support of our community that we have as, I mean, we're very, very lucky. Well, you know, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, Dr. Scott. I appreciate your time. Um, and is there anything else you want to add before we just wrap things up? And Well, listen, I appreciate you allowing me a little opportunity to share and talk about uh, Dalton Public Schools and our the community of the uh, Dalton Whitfield community. And uh, again, it's a great place and uh, just appreciate the opportunity to, get to share what I feel like we do and, and uh, the great people that we have in our community. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. Hey, thank you, man. You have a great day. Thank you for joining the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. If you'd like more information on this podcast or Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.